Welcome to Watchman on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. A brand new week of bringing clarity to the chaos begins with an in-depth look at the resurgence of the New Age movement with Josh Peck. And Marvin McIlvaney has a timely Bible in the News report. Our Winter Virtual Prophecy Conference is going on all this week. You can get access to 12 speakers presenting over 20 different sessions, all online and all on demand. Watch from the comfort of your home with speakers that include Kamal Salim, Michael Hoggard, Eric Barger, Dr. Rob Linstead, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, James Collins, Dr. Larry Spargimino, Billy Crone, Dave Brees, Les Feldick, and David Bay. Register today and start watching as often as you want from today through Friday. Visit SWRC.com and click on Events. That's SWRC.com and click on Events. The New Age movement has returned with full force in our culture, taking the West and its churches by storm. Former New Ager Josh Peck is here to discuss this new assault on our churches and families. We've all heard relatively new terms like remote viewing, channeling, witchcraft, divination, and several others. These are practices common to the New Age movement. Our guest for this show and the next is Josh Peck. He is on the Skywatch TV team, just a great researcher and author. We appreciate him. And he is one of the authors of the book, The Second Coming of the New Age. The New Age movement has returned with full force in our culture, taking the West and its churches by storm. Josh, thank you so much for being our guest. You've been on with us many times before, and I'm really looking forward to this interview. I am, too. Thank you so much for having me back on, Larry. It's always great to talk with you. Well, I know you do a lot of really amazing work, and I'm thinking of that shocker, a silent cry. That's really stirred up a lot of people. But, hey, that's what we're supposed to be doing. This is an evil world, and we need to be warning people, telling people what's going on, and that's what the Lord wants me to do, and I know also you guys up at Crane, so praise the Lord. What's new about the New Age? Well, that's actually kind of a loaded question because (laughs) there's two answers to that. Technically, there's nothing new about the New Age. This is a very, very old deception that goes back to the Garden of Eden and the fall of man. So in that sense, there's nothing new about it. But in our culture, especially in the church, this is kind of a new sort of thing that's been creeping up the past two or three decades, and it really has infiltrated the church in a way that most Christians haven't even seen. In our book, The Second Coming of the New Age, me and Stephen Bancars looked through some studies that have recently been done, and what we found was shocking. There was a study done some years ago. They only tested for, I believe, five or six New Age beliefs. Now, there's hundreds of New Age beliefs, because New Age will accept anything into their belief system except biblical Christianity. (laughs) They won't accept that. But any other kind of religion, they'll incorporate it in there somehow. So this study tested for five or six of these beliefs, and again, there's hundreds of them, They only tested for five or six, and they only tested Christians, because what they were looking for was what percentage of Christians actually hold New Age beliefs, 
and maybe don't know it. And these are really obvious things they tested for. Reincarnation, the idea that objects, material objects, have some kind of life force or spirit or soul or something immaterial to it. And they're obvious things that you would think most Christians would not accept, but what they found was a high percentage of Christians actually have at least one of these six that they tested for. So when Stephen Bancars and I looked into this, if you factor in all of the hundreds of New Age ideas that are out there and beliefs, me and Steve estimate probably something like 90, 95 percent, maybe even 99 of self-proclaimed Christians today hold at least one New Age belief, which is pretty horrifying. After I listen to you right now, it seems to me that the church and so many Christians, they're just like a sponge. You know, clean water comes by, they'll absorb it, but dirty water that's filthy, maybe even poison water, they will soak it up. So what you're telling me is that the church today is like a sponge. It's not making any distinctions. It's not discriminating the way it should. There is a place for discrimination between good and bad, righteousness and unrighteousness. So we're just sucking up everything. The church is growing in numbers. Sometimes there's the mega churches, but this is a big sponge loaded with a lot of stuff. Well, Josh, what are some of the lies in the New Age movement? Well, a lot of what it centers around is this idea of self-godhood, and they're really good at hiding it. They'll even dress it up into Christian terms. They'll say things like Christ consciousness, and they talk about it in a way that makes it sound like you're just trying to connect with God, like through prayer or something. But what you're actually doing is a type of meditation that is New Age in practice. New Age meditation, in fact, has infiltrated the Church, because there's a difference between what the Bible talks about, you know, actual meditation. Real meditation is supposed to be, you know, you focus on a Bible verse, you run it through your mind over and over again. Meditation is supposed to be a very thoughtful thing. New Age has perverted it, and they've made it into something where you basically let your mind go free and then just accept any kind of thought that comes in and convince yourself it's from God or something. But what's really happening there is self-Godhood. Those thoughts They're not from God. They're most likely just from yourself. Or they could be, you know, from a demonic spirit if they're going around trying to deceive that individual. That happens quite a bit, too. But there's nowhere in the Bible where we're told to communicate with God that way. Mm. The only thing that's, again, even close, because you can find the word meditation in the Bible, but it's not what's being taught today is meditation. Biblical meditation is like research, study. You study a verse until you know everything about it, and then you move on to the next, and that's just normal Bible study. So that's a couple of things. There's more extreme things. Yoga is a big one that a lot of churches are accepting nowadays, and they believe that it's just stretching, it's just exercise. Yet specifically, yoga is tied to ancient pagan deities. These specific body moves were developed for the veneration of false gods. So if you want to stretch, you can go to your chiropractor and get some good, you know, stretches. (laughs) And, you know, you can stretch and exercise. But isn't it funny how many Christians, though, really hold on to yoga? Steve and I were surprised by this. That was the most backlash we got from our book because we talk about yoga. We tell the history of it and how Christians probably shouldn't be involved in it because it can open us up to demonic influences. And there's even been studies on that that we put in the book. But the most backlash that we got was from yoga. A lot of Christians are involved in it. 
Right. I want you to talk a little bit more about meditation. I believe in meditation because meditation, I think, is filling your mind with the Word of God. But don't the New Age people say, well, we've got to empty our mind and just let come in whatever may come in? And, of course, we know what's going to come in. Isn't it really (laughs) emptying the mind instead of filling the mind with the Word of God? Exactly, exactly. And if you think about it, it's kind of the lazier practice. It's the thing that I don't think God really wants us involved in that kind of thing. There's no work in it. There's no study. There's no learning God's Word. It's just literally emptying your mind, being totally relaxed, and letting anything kind of come in and just trying to feel the universe or, you know, they have a lot of phrases like that that don't really mean anything, but they sound like something. So like meditation, there's a lot of practices which you would, they, they, start off, you know, Christian, biblical, they start off okay, just like meditation did, but then pagans, New Agers, you know, whatever, they'll come in, take what is God's, take what is something from the Bible or Christianity, and pervert it. So now we have people that they're either totally in favor of meditation or they're totally against it. And that's one of the dangers here, too, because we as Christians can go too far on the other side. Yes. And we can say, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything having to do with meditation. I don't like that word in the Bible. There's a lot of practices like that. What we have to understand is that all throughout time, pagans have always taken what is God's and yes. perverted it. We yes. can keep the original. God made things the way he did for a reason. For example, an evergreen tree, you know, it never dies. To me, I look at that and I say, hey, that's a great symbol of Christ. Now, there were pagans throughout history that have taken that symbol and they paganized it and used it to venerate other gods. But we're not doing that. We're keeping the original. So the original is God's. Meditation originally was God's. It's supposed to be study. But look at what New Age and pagans did to it. Totally flipped it around turned its meaning around, and now we live in a culture where if somebody hears the word meditation, they think it means laying down, emptying your mind, and just accepting anything that will come in. Right. I know a few New Age practitioners. Actually, they're around. A lot of them are around. And it seems like they are involved in what I like to call mysticism. In fact, they say, well, I don't really need the Bible God speaks to me directly, and I'm saying, gosh, wow, that is dangerous. You don't need the Bible. Give me a break, you know. So, (laughs) How are you going to test what message you're receiving? Without the standard of sacred scripture, we're going to accept everything. And like you say, they're syncretistic, so they accept everything from Hinduism, Buddhism, this, that. They accept everything except Christianity. Then we know where they're going to end up, and it's going to be in a pit, in a mud hole. That's right. Well, and God gives us the solution to this. So all throughout the Bible, we're called sheep. That's not always a compliment. Sheep are really (laughs) stupid animals. (laughs) Like they will normally, they'll follow anybody that comes along. But if the sheep are trained, they can know the voice, the actual voice of the master even before the, you know, master. So the solution to this is instead of trying to learn all of the hundreds of deceptions that New Age is teaching, what we do is just focus on the Bible and learn the one truth. I mean, it's way easier. You know, you learn the one truth and then judge everything by that, like you just alluded to. Absolutely. Well, Josh, what is so attractive about the New Age movement? I mean, why does it attract millennials and young people by the zillions? Well, we as human beings, we like the idea of being in control of our own destiny, especially this generation has been conditioned towards this. They want, it's in TV shows and movies, you know, I'm the master of my own destiny, I decide what's going to happen in my life. And I myself am a millennial, so I was raised in this generation. Lots of deceptions with stuff like that. So 
because we're fallen human beings, there's a carnal side of all of us that wants to be its own God. Well, New Age falsely provides that. They at least provide the lie that you can be your own God. And so that way you don't have to put your trust in God and be held accountable to him because he cares how you live your life. Instead, you can live your life however you want, be your own God, and, you know, who knows what happens after this life. They tend to believe that they're either absorbed back into some universal consciousness or that they become an ascended master. There's several different ideas about the afterlife, but it's not nearly as clearly defined as it is in the Bible. There is nothing that you'll find in New Age that says this is the one way to heaven. Right. And actually, most religions, you don't really get that either. I mean, you get, like, good works and stuff, but how do you ever know if you've done enough? It's the same idea in New Age, but New Age tells you you have already done enough. Now do more. (laughs) So there's this weird contradiction in the whole theology. I think I know the answer to this question, but I wanted to have you elucidate a little bit. Are New Agers more likely to vote for someone like Donald Trump, or are they more inclined to vote for someone like Joe Biden? (laughs) It's weird because you would think, okay, technically we get a lot more freedom with Trump, right? So you would think human freedom, you know, you would think the new age would be attracted to that. The more freedom, the better, because I can be my own God. Strangely enough, it seems to swing the other way. Yes, that is strange. Big government, government can take care of everything. And I don't really know why exactly that is, except it's just, I think what it is is a reaction to Christianity. Most Christians are probably going to be on the right side of the political spectrum, and new agers are going to rebel against that. I think it's just more of a rebellion thing. They don't want to be associated with anything having to do with Christianity, so they'll move on the other side of the political aisle. A few months ago, I thought, well, you know, that Donald Trump lost. I thought, well, it's got to be fraud. And I know there's been some fraud. But when I listen to some people on the radio and read some of the stuff in the newspapers, we've got a lot of freakish people in our country. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, maybe it wasn't that much fraud because some of the things that President Biden is saying, and then I see that people are supporting him. And I say, wait a second. I'm thinking, you know, our country is really in bad shape. I know Donald Trump has a lot of good supporters, a large number of people. I mean, just look at the parades of the people that followed him. I mean, Joe Biden would have a meeting and have six people. (laughs) Donald Trump would have a meeting and have 60,000. And yet, I think those who hate Trump hate his association with Christianity, the fact that, you know, Robert Jeffress and several other people, Paula White and so on and so forth, charismatic Christianity, Steve Strang. And so Donald Trump was out in Washington, D.C., very close to the White House with a Bible in his hands. And I think that just turned people off. You know, I'm writing a book and it's called Needless Death, COVID Corruption and Control. And I think the big pushback against HCQ, which I think is very, very effective, I think when Donald Trump, I believe it was May the 20th, 2018, when President Trump endorsed HCQ right away, no matter how good it is, because he endorsed it, there's a pushback against it. So I think our country is really messed up. And of course, we're praying and we need to pray. I think that's very important. But Why do New Ages reject the Jesus of the Bible, and what does their Jesus look like? They reject him because of the personal accountability kind of thing. So Mm. if Jesus is really Jesus the way that he's described in the Bible, we are held personally accountable to an all-powerful God, and we need to submit to Jesus to get that taken care of, or, you know, accept him and trust him for eternal life. And 
they don't want to do that because, again, they don't want to have to have somebody else tell them how to live their lives. It's a whole attraction of self-godhood. So what they do instead is they invent a new Jesus. They'll cherry-pick verses out of the Bible, and they'll make Jesus say things that he never said, and they'll take his words out of context, such as any anti-Christian religion or individual has been doing ever since Jesus walked the earth. I mean, they even were doing it even when he was around. So course they're going to keep doing that. So we get a lot of that, and I think it's really just because people want to be accountable to themselves. They want to be their own God, because like the Bible prophesies, they're lovers of self, and that is such a big deception in the church today. One thing that really led to it when I was a kid, so the millennial generation, was the whole self-esteem movement. Mm, First you would think, well, you know, self-esteem, that's good. It is to a point, (laughs) a humble self-esteem that's full of humility is a great, godly, good thing. Self-esteem without the counterbalance of humility is just pride. That's all it is. And that was pushed really heavily when I was a kid. I went to public school. We were taught it in public school constantly. It was on every PSA on TV. It was all in the cartoons, and it was just everywhere. But I didn't realize until I was much older what it was really promoting was self-godhood. You know, that message did not make better people. When those kids grew up, I mean, this is anecdotal, but in my experience, when those kids grew up, they were jerks. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't be around them. You couldn't get along with them because they thought they were better than you in every way because they had so much self-esteem without the humility to keep it in check. So that's one other way that this is kind of infiltrated. Well, Josh, are some of the bizarre and strange experiences that New Agers have, are they just figments of their imaginations, or do you think maybe they're real? I think they're real. Now, sometimes it could be an imagination thing, but I have no problem with the idea of saying that it's real. There is a real spiritual world. People are having real experiences. I myself, when I was in New Age, and this was years ago, years before ministry, and I'm obviously out of it now, but I write that whole story in the book when I was involved in New Age, not realizing how bad it was or that it was antithetical to Christianity, I was practicing astral projection, which is a type of meditation where you, your soul or your spirit or your consciousness, whatever you want to call it, leaves your body. Now, was that a hallucination? It could have been. But at the time, and even today, I'm inclined to believe that that was real. There was a real spiritual world. But that doesn't mean that there isn't deception there. Just because there's a real spiritual world doesn't mean that we're supposed to interact with it, because the Bible tells us not to for very good reason. It's not that God doesn't want us to have any fun. It's that that is a world that we have no way of navigating. We don't have the body for it. We have a body for the physical world. This is the world we're supposed to navigate. And there are dangers that we have no way of anticipating. We know that there's a ton of deception, but we don't know to what extent or how to protect against it. We know how to do that here in our world today, and that's through the blood of Jesus. So there's a lot of danger there that is never talked about in the New Age and very rarely talked about in Christianity. You and I might be one of the (laughs) two of the only ones that will actually talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, Josh, we are looking forward to continuing our discussion on our next broadcast, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Looking forward to it. Our guest has been Josh Peck, co-author of The Second Coming of the New Age. Josh Peck will be back with us on our next program. Please be sure to tune in. Our lives, our relationships, our world, and our churches all depend on our willingness to take action against the deceit of New Age spirituality. The first step toward prevention is knowledge. Now is the time to be informed. That is why today we are offering Josh Peck's book, The Second Coming of the New Age, 
and his DVD, The Great Delusion. Order both of these important resources by calling 1-800-652-1144. You can also order The Second Coming of the New Age book and the DVD, The Great Delusion, both by Josh Peck, when you visit our website, swrc.com. Get both the book and DVD by Josh Peck when you call 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Recently, it was reported that a high school football coach who was fired for kneeling to pray at a game is having his case heard at the Supreme Court. Today in our Bible in the News report, Marvin McIlvaney explores the difference between kneeling in prayer and kneeling in protest. What's the difference between the Supreme Court and other courts? Extra toppings and cheese. What's the difference between kneeling down to pray and kneeling down to protest? A lot, apparently. The Supreme Court announced late last week it will hear Kennedy v. Bremerton School District, a religious liberty case in which the justices will decide if football coach Joe Kennedy was unjustly fired in 2015, as he claims, for kneeling on the field after football games to pray. Kennedy was officially warned by Dr. Aaron Level, the school district superintendent, to stop participating in religious activities, such as leading prayers at practice, as a representative of the public school. Ever since he filed suit against his former employer, Kennedy has witnessed the courts side with Bremerton Public Schools but he has continued to fight with help from the law firm First Liberty Institute. According to First Liberty attorney Mike Berry, the most recent Ninth Circuit decision hinged on the fact that Kennedy was a public school employee. Quote, And that if people in the stands or in the public in general could see him praying, Berry says, then somehow they might interpret that as the government establishing religion as ridiculous as that sounds, close quotes. According to First Liberty, the law firm responded on Kennedy's behalf in October 2019 with a letter warning Bremerton that Kennedy was allowed by the courts to express his faith both in the school building and on the football field. The law firm asked the school district to give its client time after home games to kneel and continue the post-game tradition he had been doing for years. Instead, Kennedy was suspended, then fired, and the fired coach then filed the claim of religious discrimination to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Kennedy's case first reached the United States Supreme Court in 2019, where the justices decided not to hear the case. The appeal bounced back down to the Ninth Circuit three years ago, but with a new legal wrinkle. Four justices on the high court said that they were concerned how the Ninth Circuit's decision would affect religious expression as guaranteed by the First Amendment. In a court order, Justices Alioto, Thomas, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh wrote the Ninth Circuit's understanding of the free speech rights of public school teachers is troubling and may justify review in the future. So the basis of the case is this. A coach kneels down to pray and either someone is offended or someone is worried that someone might extrapolate from seeing him kneel down that the government is trying to establish a religion. How could people think that the government was establishing a religion when it's the government who's bringing the lawsuit? 
Where was the government when former football player Colin Kaepernick knelt during the national anthem at the start of NFL games in protest of police brutality and racial inequality in the United States? Why is it okay to kneel in protest, but not okay to kneel in prayer? When the national anthem was first recognized by law in 1931, there was no regulation or decree or ordinance as to people's behavior during its playing. On June 22, 1942, the law was revised, indicating that those in uniform should stand and salute during its playing, while others should simply stand at attention, men removing their hats. The same code also required that women should place their hands over their hearts when the flag is displayed during the playing of the national anthem, but not if the flag was not present. When they asked Colin Kaepernick why he knelt during the national anthem, he explained, quote, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder, close quotes. And like everything else these days, including vaccination, if you say anything against it, you can lose your job. Take, for example, Michelle Tafoya. Many people out there who follow football remember Michelle Tafoya as being the sideline reporter for NBC Sports, ESPN, Monday Night Football, and NBC Sunday Night Football. She is the winner of five Emmy Awards for her sports reporting. Her big mistake? Being on the TV show called The View. It's basically four liberal women against one conservative. When Michelle was on the show, she was in the conservative seat. Tafoya and View co-host Sonny Hostin clashed on the show about some comments Kaepernick had made comparing the NFL's draft and training camps to slavery. Tafoya argued that playing in the NFL was an act of free will. Quote, no one pressures them, she said. They're not forced to go into the NFL, close quotes. Later, she added, quote, I thought comparing it to the slave trade was a little rough. These guys enter willingly. They are the most well-cared-for people. Yes, they play a hard sport, and every one of them, black, white, Latino, who's ever playing the sport, will tell you how much they love it, and they're willing to do it, and they make a darn good living, close quotes. Hostin countered that most NFL owners are white men, and most players are black. A short time later, after her appearance on The View, Michelle Tafoya informs everyone that she was, quote, just taking a break. Some of you may remember Tim Tebow, who played for the Denver Broncos as quarterback. He would drop to one knee and pray during a football game. He wasn't protesting anything, yet he caused a giant ruckus by doing so. And he certainly did not do it during the national anthem. We read in 2 Chronicles 20 that whole towns would gather and pray to the Lord. Verse 9 says, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Whole towns would turn out to seek the Lord. Now one man who lost everything, who got fired for kneeling and praying, is still seeking the Lord as he waits on the highest court in the land to see if he violated man's laws. God help us. Josh Peck's powerful look at the resurgence of the new age in our churches and what we can do to stop his influence is found in his book, The Second Coming of the New Age. 
Get this book and Josh Peck's DVD, The Great Delusion, when you call 1-800-652-1144 or online swrc.com. Tomorrow, Josh Peck returns to continue his look into the second coming of the new age. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.